Welcome to Buenta Vista episode 121. I am Andrew and I am here with my colleagues uh, in a high-powered executive boardroom. Mm. Uh, we're right on the top floor. It looks just like Robocop just before the ED-209 comes in and murks everybody by malfunctioning. Um, just to my left and right about to be killed by an ED-209 is Ben. Hello. I wish you hadn't uh, handed me this gun and <laughs> asked me to point it at the ED-209. <laughs> but oh. luckily, uh, there's a failsafe. They simply have to tell it to stand down and it won't shoot me to pieces with a machine gun. Just out of curiosity, Ben, how much blood would you say, like, by volume is in your chest right now? I'm going to say between 20 and 30 litres. Okay, well, that's going to come up later, so... <laughs> great, great. And um, just over the other side of the table, in a wonderful pantsuit, is Lucy. Hi. I thought it was going to be Theo in the pantsuit. <laughs> wonderful. A big silk bow on the front of his outfit. Why do I got to have the pantsuit? I got those oh, shoulder got pads. Yeah, big teased out hair. More a women, CEOs. A lot of blush. Too much blush. Yep. Very cool. Um, and over across the other side of the room, uh, manning the control panel for the big sentry robot that's about to come in, mm -hmm. looking very calm, is Theo. Look, I'd just say, in general, there's no need to worry. <laughs> We've got this all under control. The tests have just gone swimmingly. The uh, vast majority of tests were The fine. vast majority... Look. Okay. There was Incident 261... Um, we did have to quarantine three quarters of the uh, of the campus uh, due to radiation, so on and so forth. Like it's all in the past. This this one is absolutely fine. There's nothing to be worried about. Yeah, and so so Ben, just keep a tight grip on that gun. Uh huh. I'm feeling good about this. <laughs> uh, so we are here today to talk about the many secrets of the business world and the political elite, including an appearance from our friends over at the QAnon Anonymous podcast uh so keep your keep your ears all hot and spicy and peaked for that uh but just to kick it off though because we are here in high-powered billionaire business mode uh we thought we would touch on this article uh that appeared in the sydney morning herald uh over the last week or so and made everybody extremely mad or oh, wait before we do that I'm hearing news. I'm hearing breaking news. Isn't that the theme for everything? I feel like Pretty you've much. just got one uh, theme. It's not the nature corner theme. I don't, I don't feel like True. we can fuck right. off. <laughs> don't, need to, don't need to get into themes and who is supplying them. Who is and isn't a theme. Well, but also we've you know we've got the we've got the breaking news theme. We've got the Where's Warney theme. We've got the Paging Dr. Lucy theme. That's a good one. We've got the Plainly Speaking theme. I guess I'm just categorically wrong in my claim. <laughs> We've got the Bad Tweet Roundup theme. I guess all You're I'm right. saying is that one of us around here is really carrying just, water for this podcast. I mean, you're gaslighting me, but it's fine. It's completely When it okay. comes to producing themes for segments, one of us is all over it. Uh, so, breaking news... Friend of the show, colossal racist dipshit, and local member for One Nation, Mark Latham is back at it again. Um, actually, it's this is probably just, you know, the uh, the elite media and political world coming down against him for trying to take down, uh, you know, the power structures that bind us and control us and stop us from saying the N-word on the bus. 
you know? Mm-hmm. Mm. So uh, here is a report from Nine News Sydney. He's known for being outspoken on social media, but one post in particular has proven costly for One Nation MP Mark Latham. Nine's Vicky Jardim joins me in the studio. Mr Latham, Vicky has been forced to pay up. He certainly has, Pete. Police cleared Mohammed Nizamdeen of plotting a terrorist attack. His colleague was then charged with framing him. But Mark Latham left a tweet online convicting the University of New South Wales student of planning to kill federal MPs and blow up the Opera House. Mr Nizamdeen sued him for defamation. Nine News has learnt Mr Latham has now settled out of court. Nizamdeen's lawyers saying we are pleased at the claim against against Mr Latham has now settled. Pete, while the amount is confidential, industry experts say it would exceed $100,000. Vicky, yes. thank you. <laughs> Eat shit. Wonderful. Eat shit, Eat Mark. shit. Eat shit, Mark. And it's not even the first time. <laughs> Give your he's money to Muhammad. <laughs> outspoken. I love he, that he's outspoken by just accusing a man of terrorism. <laughs> <laughs> Just a bit, a bit loud. controversial when he falsely accused a man of plotting <laughs> terrorist attacks. And uh, so, so he also had to settle with um, Osman Faruqi last last year or this year? Did he? No, I didn't know the year. outcome. I don't know. Time is a mystery. Mm. I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure he wound up settling with him also, didn't he? He did. He certainly did. Yes, for a large amount of money. I love to give hundreds of thousands of dollars to the brown men that I hate uh, several times a year. It's a very sustainable and financially viable (laughs) way of living life. I just love Mark. Like, he's got his Excel spreadsheet open. He's scrolling down the budget. And there's just, like, one light item in there, like, minus (laughs) (laughs) $300,000. Please help me budget this. My family's dying. (laughs) I'm just imagining him getting home after settling in court. Uh, walking through the front door, having his wife yell at him through the wall, how'd it go? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> <I don't> want- <laughs> yeah. Just... <sighs> um, just hearing him slam all the doors all the way to the toilet where he's going to angrily shit it out and just shaking her head. Having uh-huh. to put all his gu- guitars up on Gumtree. <laughs> Regretful sale, buying, buying, <laughs> buying a person of colour a house. The piece of merchandise that he has, the original merch from the film Zulu that he's going to have to sell. <laughs> you guys criticise him, but like, you know, you got to spend some of your money on doing the things that you love. You gotta spend money to make money. That's what That's I've heard. That's so yeah. true. That's you so have true. to spend hundreds of thousands of dollars to defame people to oh. make money. Mm-hmm. That's just good business sense. Uh, so, coming back to this article from the Sydney Morning Herald, which we all loved so much. Uh, boss slams millennials for being afraid of hard work. I'm a millennial. I hate working hard. <laughs> I'm I'm actually deathly scared of hard work. I don't I like it personally. I fucking hate it. Hard work right. sucks, man. Oh, hard work's fine. You go wow. out. You go out and you uh, do stuff on a farm for fun, Ben. Yeah, but it's a different kind of hard work. That's not the kind of hard work they want. The hard work they want is you being available like twenty four hours a day. For no extra pay. Uh, not like moving a rake. Yeah, but all I'm saying is it's the type of hard work that you do that is fun. It's not right. the hard work Elder that's millennial. The, the elder <laughs> millennial of the podcast. <laughs> I'm coming in right on the cusp. Right on the cusp. So the chief executive of appliance retailer Winning Group 
has railed against the poor work ethic of millennials and warned of another, quote, huge correction in financial markets as social media-influenced customers rack up debt and live beyond their means. Uh, People are expecting more than what they put in. Some of the people coming in for interviews, their expectation of what they should be paid versus how much they're expected to work is just crazy, said John Winning, the fourth-generation boss of the appliance company. Mm Mm-hmm. (laughs) yep so i like they they could have just put a pin in the article there couldn't they they could have just said the whole thing yeah yep they they could have said oh i'm i'm sorry there's been a misunderstanding and hung up the phone i believe you you were talking about this article when it came out ben and saying like how do these happen does this person send an email (laughs) to the sydney morning herald and say I have an opinion. I would like to say that a whole generation of people suck shit. And they go, oh, let me send a reporter right out. <laughs> it's going to be like it, that's right? how it works. There's nothing topical about this. It's not like they came to him asking him about something. It literally just must have been like, God, these guys fucking suck. I know. I'll email every journalist and see if anyone wants this as a news story. <laughs> Who, like, yeah, unless unless this as a topic is such a like desired thing from newspaper editors that they actually reach out to the CEOs of lots of different companies. They're they're um, Don't you know, you hate messaging the kids. Yeah, they're messaging all their connections on LinkedIn to say, mm. um, what do you think of the work ethic of spitting on the ground? Millennials. At thirty five, Mr. Winning is technically a millennial himself. But that doesn't stop him from haranguing the generation. Mr. Saying while Winning. He's Mr. Winning. Mr. Mi- winning. <laughs> Mr. Sorry. Hashtag Winning. Uh, he says that while his company employs some great millennial workers, they are, quote, few and far between. You train them up, and by the time they've finished the two-month training... Two-month training? What? They're either looking for the next thing or asking for a promotion and more money, hmm. he said. So, you know how uh, how I've got more skills now than when I started and uh, I'd like to be paid for that? Uh, no, that's that's bad, apparently. Yeah, now that I've done a two-month-long training program and realized what you actually want me to do. What the fuck are they doing two? I've never done two months of training in my entire either. life. What is this no, job? Me. Well, clearly you don't know how to sell appliances. No. <laughs> <laughs> now, this is a fridge. It's the big white one with the two doors. This is the la- the large cold box. <laughs> on <laughs> the top there is cold a colder boy. box. So uh, he, he goes on to say, When I think of hustling, I think of rolling your sleeves up and working from early in the morning to late at night. Mm-hmm. Why? They see that hustling like as shit, a- shit, dude. <laughs> Why would anyone do that for you? Yeah, like uh, for the love of the industry, (laughs) the love of the appliance selling industry. (laughs) I just love washing machines so much. Just want to be a high-powered appliance salesman. (laughs) Just want to make sure each one of these goes to a good home. You know, (laughs) he says that they see hustling as a get-rich-quick scheme or another easy solution. And like we talk about this all the time, but just the constant thing of bosses who own a business who like he he has apart from the fact that he was clearly going to fucking inherit this company anyway like literally the fourth generation owner of a business i i just will never understand this this gulf in the understanding of all these people of 
well, I own this thing and I have a massive financial stake in the success of the company from year to year, all that kind of thing. Yeah. Uh, here's all these people that I'm paying, you know, minimum wage. Um, most most people on that kind of rate, like, haven't got a pay rise in the last five or ten years. And you want them to, like, hustle and grind from early in the morning to late at night to help improve your business. Your business. And how much money you're getting back out of, like, your shares improving. Like, he could literally retire tomorrow if he lived like a normal person, right? Like, if he Mm. just, like, cashed in his stocks, said, nope, that's the quiet life for me, bought a normal-priced house, uh, lived just totally normally, he wouldn't have to work another day in his life, whereas the people that he's hiring will probably never see retirement. Uh, More importantly, I feel like... He could just say, um, Daddy, I'm sick of working mm. and quit his job and just not I'm work. I'm tired now. And it's not like <laughs> his... It. It's Papa, not like he's working. Papa, be sweepy. Oh. It's, <laughs> it's not as though his father, who owns like several multi-million dollar companies, is going to say, well, you're homeless now and you're going to die. No, he Can already I? gave this guy a fucking company. Can I just do a oh. little sidebar speaking of his house here? Yeah. Uh, so he lives in a, according to executivestyle.com.au, uh, <laughs> he lives in a $5 million bachelor pad that he built custom, which, you know, whatever, rich people, rich people houses. There are just two things in here from this article that really stuck out to me. This completely inexplicable paragraph, which I can find no more information about. The most unusual feature is the bedroom, or... Rather, a free-form fiberglass sculpture where Winning will tuck himself in at night. <laughs> Designed what? by Peter Island of Alan, Jack, and Cotier, the soundproofed cone of silence will set Winning back hundreds of thousands of dollars. There's no picture. They do not explain it any further. He lives in a fibergra- fiberglass cone of silence? What uh, so the they f- don't give you a picture of the sculpture? No. That's just irresponsible. I want to know what the cone of silence is more than anything. More. Uh, it's... He needs to drown out all of the people begging for more money. <laughs> uh, the ghosts of all the people screaming for him to give them a living wage. So, uh, when, when you do think about hustling, working hard, grinding from nine to five, or from mm. pro- ideally from like seven to, to 12 or whatever, mm. you know, he's doing um, Jack Ma from Alibaba's 996 thing, you know, working from, what was it, six? Yeah, yeah. From nine to nine, six days a week. That's what this guy's definitely doing. Hustling. Sounds good. Um, That's why he's so so happy. Yeah, from a second article. uh, Mr. Winning told news.com.au how he managed to transition from mediocre students. He mucked around too much at school and flunked the HSC, so uni was never an option. To successful CEO at a time when many other Aussie retailers are struggling. Hmm. After working as a waiter. (laughs) Yeah, you might... After working as a waiter at 17 and toying with the idea of driving a water taxi, so he didn't Not actually a drive a water doesn't taxi. E- doesn't exist. What's, what's a water taxi? It's a boat. It's a, okay. A, a boat where you drive people to other parts of the boat water. I suppose that makes sense. So he didn't actually drive a water taxi. He merely thought about it. But it's worth mentioning. Mm. It's definitely, it if I was going to list my life story, I would list all the things I thought about doing and then didn't. Mm. Yeah, I've toyed with the idea of writing a theme for Nature Corner. (laughs) (laughs) 
I've toyed with the idea of hearing that one day. (laughs) (laughs) So after working as a waiter at 17, toying with the idea of driving a water taxi, Mr. Winning eventually landed a job as a door-to-door salesman, but after a brutal dog attack landed him in hospital, his father pushed him to quit and joined the family's 113-year-old business, The Winning Group. I've always said dogs are a very good judge of character. (laughs) That's true. Uh, Mr. Winning was initially relegated to picking up and delivering stock, but eventually convinced his dad to let him go into sales. Although he was banned from the complicated kitchen stuff and was only allowed to sell fridges, washing machines, and dishwashers. Well, he probably outside didn't complete of, the two-month training. Outside <laughs> of fridges and dishwashers, what's the complicated stuff in the kitchen? Wasn't allowed to handle the Nutribullets. <laughs> the <laughs> Thermomixers. <laughs> Stay away from the Thermomix. Thermomix. It's got a lot of features, you know. I wouldn't be able to list all of them. <laughs> no, let's try. You could make jam in it. <laughs> it's, it's a blender. It's a bread maker. That's ice right. cream? You can do ice cream? You could do ice cream in it? Man, I should get one of those Thermomixes. You can do anything. You, you absolutely should if what you truly love more than anything else is for all the dishes you eat to emerge as some type of colourless slop. I also like spending uh, $2,500 on one appliance that I will use one time. Mm -hmm. Yes. Uh, So during this time, Mr. Winning realized that customers love looking through catalogs, but he knew that they were expensive to distribute and dated quickly. I thought maybe the internet would be a cheaper way. I knew that eBay existed, and I thought we could have an eBay store, he said. Uh, the, The classic hustling, grinding entrepreneurial move of opening an ebay store <laughs> of of remembering a thing that already exists that already hey, is there the that everyone around. uses i love to i love to invent the concept of opening an ebay store um, he took the idea to his father and ended up scoring a $50,000 loan which helped him build appliances online in 2005 at just 21 Funny way of saying. Do you call it a loan? Yeah, Dad, can I have fifty thousand dollars to start a website? Wait, no. Right, well, as long as you never pay it back on an existing (laughs) website, I want to put some stuff on eBay. I'll need oh fifty grand. (laughs) It, but it paid off. Today, Appliances Online is Australia's largest online appliance retailer, and Mr. Winning is now also the CEO of the fourth generation, The Winning Group. And that's amazing that off the back of that success, he became CEO. Because imagine... Of a different company. <laughs> yep, it's, that's it's, how that works. You prove yourself with an eBay store, mm-hmm. and then you earn CEO-ship. Because it's not like he probably would have got the job as CEO regardless of what he did. Because that's what happened with his dad and his dad before him. This was just definitely... They would have gone with anybody else unless he hadn't shown the amazing initiative required to start an eBay store. Uh, and who else is going to do it, you know? Is it you? I didn't think so. Not me. I don't like work much. Well, there you go. Yuck. <coughs> Disgusting. So, uh, there is the context about how this guy managed to hustle and grind and become the CEO of his dad's company when his CEO said, I'm done with this and you can have it now. Um, so, while other retailers have attributed the downturn in the appliances market to weak consumer confidence, low wage growth, and a struggling housing market... Huh. Hmm. All things that um, are definitely real and happening. Real? Yep. Mr. Winning instead blamed the prevalence of social media and get-rich-quick schemes causing Australians to live beyond their means. What are you talking about? That's probably what it is. We we spend less proportionally on, like, you know, uh, what do you call it? Discretionary spending or whatever now than basically, like, any time in modern history. But, you know... 
whatever. Probably nothing to Probably do nothing. with... Probably um, Probably nothing to do with, you know, that low-wage growth, struggling housing market, people just not having any money to spend on retail things. No, instead it's Instagram. Millennials and Instagram, actually, mm-hmm. turns out. Mm. Uh, he says the rise it's of Instagram... It's these It's these <laughs> teens and their selfies. The rise of Instagram has been, quote, damaging to society, he said, as users strive to display the best 1% of their lives, leading them to live a lifestyle they couldn't afford. What does this have to do with absolutely any of what he is talking about? Because, uh, well, first, first it's that millennials expect to be paid for the work that they're doing, but also that not enough people are... Well, that doesn't even make any sense because if they're going out and spending money, then why is the why is there a downturn in the appliance market? If he if his thesis is correct and the and you know millennials can't stop buying shit, right? Like why isn't he just fucking making absolute bank selling like internet enabled fridges or whatever? It doesn't make any sense whatsoever. The only part that makes sense is the part where people keep asking him to be paid more. And that he's somehow operating one of the only, like, growing uh, online uh, appliance, like, retailers kind of makes me think that he's doing that on the back of not fucking paying his workers. Hmm. Well, that's certainly not a thing we've seen a shitload of in Australia recently. Never happens. I think, he continues, the world's living in this desperation of wanting more and that's getting people into a lot of trouble, he said. People expect they should be able to spend all this money on eating out because they see all their friends on social media eating out at breakfast, lunch and dinner, having these great lives and going to Europe every Australian winter. I do not know anybody. Every winter. Just popping off to Europe. I go to Europe. So there's a lot of debt and a lot of people really struggling to maintain the lifestyle they're used to. The world has to go through another huge correction. Uh, I'm sure you'll be fine, though. Um... uh, also, while we're talking about being a powerful CEO, uh, there was a piece that went up in the Wall Street Journal this week in which they um, surveyed a whole bunch of CEOs about their, the breakdown of their time. And this is the average 55-hour work week because executives work so hard. Uh, they're working 55 hours a week, not like you working your 40 hours a week or whatever. Uh, so we break this down into 18 hours of meetings, uh, very efficient use of your time. Two hours of phone calls. Two hours Not of meetings. Those are two hours of conference different. calls. I feel like phone calls and conference calls could both just be lumped into meetings at this point. Mm-hmm. Well, no, a phone call is when you pick up the phone and you yell buy or sell mm, into the phone. Mm. But you have to know which one to yell. Uh, two hours on public events. Five hours on business meals. Five hours. What's a business meal? Is it like taking your taking a guy out for lunch and you? It's just. It's just. That's that's when you go out to lunch and someone else pays for it. Mm. That very hard activity. Six hours in one week of working alone. Mm-hmm. If you if you're Jacking only spending off. six hours in a week working alone, what the fuck are you what getting? What's your done? job? Nothing. Nothing. Fucking absolutely nothing. Nothing. So you know that's that's added up to about uh, thirty five hours, which is. A kind of normal work week. Mm-hmm. Slightly um, less, yep. Slightly on the low side. Except that five hours of it is for business meals. So, you're already like 10 so hours lunch. less. You're already about 10 hours less than a normal work week. Yeah. Um, and then it's got here 20 hours on miscellaneous, which includes travel, exercise, personal appointments, and other activities. 
what the fuck do people think that other people do? Like, mm. like they actually included stuff like, you know, going to the doctor at lunchtime or making a personal appointment. Exercise. Going. Yes. going to yeah, the you gym. know that thing that you go, hey, I've got to go for a personal appointment. I'll work an extra hour this afternoon. I'm very sorry, sorry, sorry. Whereas he just like fucking gets his free lunch and then walks out at four, but then yep. counts that time that he spends afterwards at the As gym working. As work so much work harder week? than us. And travel. You know how, like, your boss pays you for travel all the time. Like, the 45 minutes to an hour it takes you to get to work, you're paid for, obviously. Oh, all the time, clearly. Uh, so, that's normal, and that makes sense. If I think about it, you know, if you include travel in your work week, and then all your meals, I think the average person is working, like, what, 60, 65 hours a week? 70, maybe? Well, that's if you include those things. But if you're not a CEO, those things don't count. Hmm. Your no. time isn't important like this. Uh, so that's life. That's life as a powerful CEO. But what about life as a powerful politician and member of the uh, corrupt globalist elite? Ugh. What about that? You know, those guys uh, are no good. No good. And to to find out more about that, specifically about Scott Morrison's involvement with the phenomenon of the QAnon conspiracy theory. Uh, Lucy and I joined Jake, Julian, and Travis over at the QAnon Anonymous podcast to cover this in some detail. So let's check that out right now. Scott Morrison and Burn Spy. QAnon news crosses the pond to Australia when recently uh, it's kind of been revealed that there is somebody extremely close to Prime Minister Scott Morrison who is also a, a big-time QAnon head. Has a bit of a following on Twitter and everything. So, uh, reading here from the Australian version of The Guardian, which broke the news. They say, uh, in Australia, one of the more significant QAnon figures tweets under the handle at BurnedSpy34. Uh, his username on there is Burn Notice, and he has a picture of the guy from Burn Notice. <laughs> That's what Notice kills me. It's a picture of Michael Weston <laughs> from Burn Notice. <laughs> it's so embarrassing. The most literal example we could think of. I mean, there's a yeah, there's a guy who goes by in the Matrix, and it's just a picture of Morpheus. Yeah, of course. And then his background's like the red pill and the blue pill. Like they're not; these are not people with layers. <laughs> oh, it's all just such explicit, like just role playing, isn't it? Oh. Mm. So, uh, Burnspy34 has amassed 21,000 Twitter followers in just over a year. Burnspy tweets daily about QAnon material, including bizarre theories about uh, former Liberal Party leader Alexander Downer and former Foreign Minister Julie Bishop. Uh, the Guardian has learned the identity of Burnspy and established he is a long-standing family friend of the Australian Prime Minister and his wife, Jenny. Uh, the wife of Burnspy works on the Prime Minister's staff. So, apparently, yeah, his wife is a staff member of the Prime Minister's and they all, like, she, she's great friends with the Prime Minister's wife and they all hang out all the time and have dinner and it's all very normal. The wife of Burnspy. I would love That's to be described <laughs> that way one day. <laughs> Mrs. Is, is there a Mrs. Burnspy? <laughs> There is no now. I, I feel like the Guardian is covering some bases here when they say there is no suggestion that the family's close relationship has influenced Morrison or that Burn Spy poses a danger because Australia has very very strict defamation laws. I suspect that's why they haven't named the guy. Uh, it, it is it is quite easy to to find this guy's name um, online and the name of his wife. Uh, but in Australian media, people tend to be quite cautious because it's pretty easy to get sued. 
uh, and owe someone several hundred thousand dollars. A country need- more litigious than America? <laughs> right. <laughs> we'll need a th- First Amendment, guys. Let's get kicks ass. We can just say whatever about anything. Yeah. <laughs> we could say Burnspy's wife is Jake Rockatansky. Yeah, in fact, no yeah. one can what? stop us. <laughs> come on, guys. Come on. On the Prime Minister's staff. Although, however, it appears that The Guardian interviewed him because, as it says here, Burnspy told The Guardian <laughs> he has never sought to, see- to speak to the Prime Minister about QAnon. Quote, I have never spoken to Scott about anything of a political nature. I'm not an advisor. The idea of me talking to him about this, it's just not true, he said. Although the slightest bit of investigation will show up a whole bunch of him tweeting directly at the Prime Minister from his Twitter account. Oh, my God. uh, About laws and processes that have been established by pedophiles. (laughs) Oh, my God. Let's drain the Aussie swamp (laughs) at Scott Morrison MP. For fuck's sake. Jesus Christ. So when they get together for their like family dinners or whatever, is he like, is he like, hey, hey, burn spy, dude, you gotta stop tweeting at, at <laughs> me. Like this is, you know, it's getting, this is, uh, this is getting involved with my professional business now. Yeah, I don't know. Just take it, take it down one or two notches. Just, <laughs> just a bit. And does Morrison do like anything related to this in his speeches or policy? I mean, does this, does this resonate with his belief uh, system in that, even in a kind of shadowy way? Very recently, yes. Um, in that, I guess he he does have the um, he does have the sort of anti-globalist bent mm. of uh, very very nationalist, very isolationist, very we know what's best for us and no other country should be telling us what to do. And that fits in very nicely. It dovetails very nicely with Australian policies. I think he'd believe in QAnon stuff for sure. He's a huge idiot. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> He's not a huge smart Huge moron. He is, he is like, he exudes dumb guy energy. Um, he basically uses the prime ministership at this point like he's a make-a-wish kid and he just gets to do stuff that he thinks is cool. Like um, like he just, there was footage of him recently at a rugby game and like he was out on the field being the water boy for the players. What? Running oh. around and giving them bottles of water. What? Just, just running out in a break and handing bottles of water to everybody jogging around, grinning like a fucking idiot. <laughs> just hugely moronic energy. No, I think I think that from Scott Morrison's point of view, this stuff uh, dovetails with the the anti-globalist stuff in the sense that Australia has political policies that are or, or like the you know conservative Australia to, a little too much of it's bipartisan. Conservative Australian political parties have those policies like um, we are extremely brutal on refugees and asylum seekers and, you know, put them in offshore detention camps and keep them in horrible conditions as an example to other people to say, don't come here. And of course, the UN and um, all sorts of international bodies about uh, refugee advocates uh, are rightly horrified by this. You know, it's really horrible, inhumane treatment, but it's a great reason for us to say, well, other countries shouldn't get a say in what we do. And the same for other things like um, Australia's extremely... Uh, pathetic contributions to things like efforts to reduce emissions. We are one of the largest emitters per capita in the world. But, um, <laughs> we're up there. We're finally getting noticed. Coal rolling the planet. <laughs> but uh, the, the conservative Australian view on this is, well, you know, like there's way more people in China and they're emitting more than us. So if even if we were to stop, uh, you know, carbon emissions completely, that wouldn't make any difference. So everything gets molded into this view of 
no one from outside this country should be telling us what to do, which is a great way of just defending the shitty stuff <laughs> that you do. So, last week, um, due to how poorly the economy is, is ticking along, um, the IMF downgraded their projections for Australia's economy over the next several years. And Scott Morrison went and gave a speech in response to this in which he said, you know, we're not going to be told by the global elite how to run our economy internally. And this was seen as a nod to the type of audience that is into QAnon type shit. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And I mean, even Trump recently talked about globalists at the UN, right? I mean... This globalist language shit is... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, this is part of, like, the whole New World Order conspiracy theory, which is decades, decades old. That's the, that QAnon just kind of is amplifying and concentrating. Definitely. Um, so, so Burn Spy has his own conspiracy theories, which are kind of specific to Australia and Australian political culture. Obviously, he's on all the same harebrained shit as every other uh, QAnon tweeter. Um, just, you know, obsessing about the, the Mueller report and the impeachment and all that sort of stuff and how actually it's all a big genius move by Donald Trump. Mm -hmm. um, so, we've got it. Some who know Burnspy have become concerned about the extent of his immersion in the QAnon theory, saying it may leave him open to influence by others. The family friendship is largely driven by the closeness between Mrs. Burnspy and Jenny Morrison. <laughs> The pair have been lifelong friends, and The Guardian has learned the wife was recently employed on the Prime Minister's staff in a publicly funded position, but not in any policy or advisory capacity. Uh, there is no evidence she shares her husband's view. Again, we're just covering covering that ass. Just there. incredible. Burnt Spy's tweets. <laughs> Burnt Spy's tweets have frequently been cited as world class in QAnon research threads on <laughs> 8chan, which is really the mark of the mark of quality that we're looking for. <laughs> the you know? chan endorsement. The irony being that the Morrison government um, recently tried to get Australian telecommunications companies to block 8chan altogether after it hosted the Christchurch oh, they did uh, terrorist attack videos. Uh, because it's much easier to, you know, say, ah, tech companies should sort this out rather than say, maybe us stop doing so much um, race baiting and, you know, division against refugees and Muslims and uh, weird anti-globalist rhetoric. We should probably just get you guys to block a website instead. Yeah, well, well we don't even do that much. So, uh, you know, you're, you're a step ahead. We just mm. say, well, I guess more people are going to keep dying. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was it was very funny, though, when um, I mean, you know, nothing about the uh, Christchurch terrorist attack was funny, but it was funny to me afterwards when some telecommunications companies did actually block uh, HN from being available from their services. And you could look at every post on like um, Telstra is one of our one of our big telcos. And every post on their, their social media was just all these chuds replying and saying, that's it. I'm canceling my service because I can't get onto HN. <laughs> like, what? You know, other people can see this. Right? <laughs> if I can't have HN, I don't want the Internet at all. Yeah, it's like, you wow. know, it's that's like right. if I can't express my anti-Semitic uh, and racist rhetoric, also violent, then <laughs> I'm canceling all my shit. <laughs> Smashing my iPhone with a hammer. <laughs> So, um, he, he's got these theories about uh, Alexander Downer. Now, I'm not sure if you guys are aware of this through the connection with, uh, what's his name, S Stephen Papadopoulos? Or is it George Papadopoulos? George, uh, George Papadopoulos. We actually just did a, we just read his book. Oh, there you uh, go. Believe it or not. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, we're, yes, we're, we're up, to, up to speed. So, George Papadopoulos had the connection with Alexander Downer, who 
was previously a senator and the leader of the Australian Conservative Party, the Liberals, while they were in opposition. Um, and since retiring, has been appointed to uh, like a, a diplomat role overseas. And he wound up having a drink with George Papadopoulos. And George Papadopoulos said, hey, uh, Russia has tens of thousands of emails from Hillary Clinton's server. And it's really going to mess her up in the election. And Alexander Downer did what you're supposed to do, which is just come back and say, hey, this weirdo told me all this stuff. Uh, so now George Papadopoulos is obsessed with the idea that Alexander Downer is like an undercover spy mm -hmm. and was out to do a hit on him. And he's, he's you know, but done all of this for Hillary Clinton and the Clinton body count and everything. And all of this is ignoring the reputation and the understanding of Alexander Downer as a, as a figure locally, which is that this dude is 1000% as conservative and right wing as it gets. I'm sure he would be incredibly offended by the idea that he's like helped Hillary Clinton somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, um, and in Papadopoulos's book, he says that Downer actually told him that he loved Hillary Clinton. So uh, this is another example that uh, Papadopoulos did not write his book. He actually claims, <laughs> doesn't he claim in the book that, he, that, yeah, that Downer, Downer said that says, Obama was uppity? Yep. Yeah, yeah. He says that Downer was racist towards Obama and that he said that he loved Hillary Clinton and gushed about her. And that he couldn't understand why he would hate one and love the other yeah which is just uh, wow <laughs> yeah now that now the book could be all lies so take that with a grain of salt <laughs> while i have uh, no problem believing that alexander downer is a racist mm -hmm. um i can't imagine any australians using the word uppity when referring uh, to Definitely a black guy, because it, it seems like an extremely uh, americanism yeah like that's a racist trope that we don't really have yeah. yeah, we've got a lot of them. We've got <laughs> shortage. We've got you can, plenty. You can pick from a grab bag of no Australian shortage. <laughs> no shortage of racist tropes over here. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, Al Alexander Downer, very proud monarchist, um, and also like the the definition of a political elite. He's like a a third generation Australian politician. Um, one of his, I think, his grandfather was. A member of parliament in 1901 at federation like when australia first became uh, you know its own country according to england um and like he has he has a suburb in the capital city named after his family uh and then his his own father served in the menzies government in the 60s and then he served in the howard government in the 90s um, so, like, massively entrenched political elite, extremely right-wing, extremely conservative. So, the idea that this guy is, like, you know, a, a, a leftist spy acting on behalf of Hillary Clinton is extremely funny if you have no, like, no context about Alexander Downer. Um, but he does think it's a story. He also thinks other things are stories. Like uh, like Julie Bishop, the former foreign minister, again, very conservative, uh, rich ex-lawyer. And here's a series of tweets from Burnspy34. He says, now this is intriguing, emoji with the monocle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> now, something I really enjoy about this is like uh, every, every time there's one of these, you're like you're setting the scene for a conspiracy theory and there's always a sentence right at the start where you could just stop. So he says, this is intriguing. It's probably nothing, 
But <laughs> it's like, cool, wrap it up. Just put a pin in it there. It's fine. Uh, he says, Julie Bishop is a retiring MP, but is certainly not leaving quietly. And he links to an article in which she um, is talking about how it was good that the government ran a budget surplus. She was celebrating. She wore a very expensive dress to the thing. Uh, there's a quote from the article that says, The $2,541 all address by Rachel Gilbert is described on the designer's website as, quote, perfect for a special occasion. And if the budget doesn't qualify as that, then we'll pack up our red shoes and go home. Oh, but notice says, gosh, yes. oh, the red shoes. Well, she didn't even say red shoes. It's just in the article. Burn, burn notice <laughs> says, the media references almost sound like a message is being sent. Red shoes, special occasion. Whatever the message. <laughs> and again. Does it sound like that? Again, another beautiful bit of hedging here. Whatever the message is or isn't. <laughs> it is a bit weird. Could the shadow government be running a secret campaign in full view of everyone? Are certain profiles being raised far more than others? Uh, now, they've asked him about this in The Guardian when they've spoken to him. And he said, if you want to do your research into the US context, the red shoes are purported to be very much a pedophilia shout out. He told The Guardian. Red shoes are pedophilia? Is this a thing? I'm just learning about this. Yeah, in some parts of QAnon world, they believe that red shoes are actually made from human leather and <laughs> signal that they are part of the secret pedophilia or pedivore club. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Incredible. Dorothy from Wizard of Oz. Pedophile. That's pedophile. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Well, I've also um, I've also heard the theory somewhere in here that um, it's representative of like if you're doing child sacrifices and that sort of thing, that the blood splashing on your shoes mm. means oh. that your shoes your shoes cannot get dirty because they're already red. All makes sense now. I understand. So no, it's when the rappers so like talk about like red bottoms, do you think that they're all pedophile murderers yes. too? Is that the mm -hmm. deal? No, that's a reference Almost. to baboons. What? <laughs> I don't know. That sounds racist, Julian. I don't know. I don't know if I co-sign against that. I'm talking about the the red bottoms <laughs> that baboon never fucking mind. So, um, you know, in other posts, he's questioned whether 8chan was taken offline after the Christchurch attacks because it was the only uncensored platform that Q could use. So, you, I, I guess you can draw a nice line between that and was Christchurch a, a false flag intended for the censorship of, of mm. Q's favored website? Mm, um, yes. So, he's got long-standing connections between him and the Prime Minister. Uh, his wife has known Scott and Jenny since they were children. And as a close friend, the Guardian has seen multiple photos of the trio together. She attended their wedding and frequently interacts with Jenny Morrison on Facebook. <gasps> oh Who interacts oh, yeah. on Facebook? Who does that? It's a weird thing to do. They just want to mm. message each other and be like, I'm the color yellow. What color are you? <laughs> 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 I'm the letter Q. <laughs> Which one are you? Um, so he's also, uh, he's also like got a son. His son is a QAnon that's follower right. as well. Yep. Oh, uh, that's right. Whole family. Love There's it. There's always yeah. a son. And the two of them. <laughs> oh. That's right. Jesse on your mate. Imagine, imagine getting your kids into this. Jeez. God damn um, it. But they have met with prominent US-based QAnon figures, like oh. deceased US actor Isaac Cappy, mm -hmm. uh, a former QAnon proponent who frequently made unsubstantiated accusations of pedophilia against other Hollywood actors, met the pair when he came to Australia last year. Also pictured at the meeting was Eliahi Priest, who has previously spoken at a rally for the True Blue Crew, which is a uh, incredibly right-wing, anti-immigration, uh, basically neo-Nazi group 
in Australia. True oh. Blue uh, Crew. Fantastic. The True Blue Crew. Is that like a Blue Man Group? Oh, I, I hope so. <laughs> Uh, true, true blue is like um, an Australian expression for it's being a patriot, like a real, right? real Australian. Oh, yeah. okay, real, yeah. a real Aussie. Mm. True blue, um, you love it. So, yeah, true blue crew, crew is just uh, a nice, a nice way of saying we're nationalists. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so that guy who came to the meeting with uh, Burnspy and his son and Isaac Cappy. Um, had been recently visited by the Australian Federal Police after sending concerning emails to government officials uh, who asked Priest if he needed mental health support or counselling. He claimed to have passed information on to Scott Morrison via burned spy. Uh, I was hanging out with the Prime Minister's best friend at his house in Sydney, Priest said. (laughs) My God. (laughs) He said he would pass this information on to the Prime Minister, and he did. (laughs) Wait. Oh, for fu- are they this stupid? I, and it doesn't matter. There's going to be no repercussion. They're this stupid, and it also doesn't matter. So, so the irony of of all of this stuff with um with Burnt Spy is that he's deep into QAnon stuff, and he's friends with Scott Morrison. Scott Morrison is a devout like evangelical, right? He's he's a uh, like a prosperity doctrine church dude. Um, he said a lot of stuff lately about like, ah, we can have more jobs and more rain if everybody just prayed more, mm. which is a great thing to hear from the leader of your country. Yeah. Um, I like to know, I like to know that someone's got a plan, you know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, then maybe that water so, boy thing was like a rain dance. Yeah, maybe, mm. maybe. Uh, that's what he meant by just more, more water getting about. But, um, <laughs> so Burnspy has linked Hillsong where Morrison has prayed, uh, like publicly for photo ops, to mind control and has praised Scott Morrison for his apology to child abuse survivors, during which the Prime Minister used the term, quote, ritual sexual abuse. The use of that term was interpreted by QAnon followers as referring to satanic ritual abuse. Mm. So the irony here is that, you know, he's deep into all the QAnon stuff. Uh, which is, as we all know about, exposing like the Pizzagate style, uh, pedophilia, child sex abuse, satanic ritual stuff. Scott Morrison, who he is apparently great friends with, is a member of the Hillsong Church, which has had its own scandals. So, like, he's from another piece in Overland by uh, a great writer called Jeff Sparrow who said, if you wanted to investigate child abuse in the context of Australian politics, you might start not with Julie Bishop's shoes, but with Brian Houston, a man who, like Burns by himself, enjoys a close friendship with Prime Minister Scott Morrison. Houston, the founder of the Hillsong Church, was formally censured by the Royal Commission into the Institutional Responses to Child Sexual Abuse for not reporting allegations of child abuse against his own father, the founder of the church. According to the New Daily, Brian Houston remains under investigation by the New South Wales Police for his handling of the matter. In his maiden speech in Parliament, Scott Morrison paid tribute to Houston as his personal mentor. And last month, he tried to bring him to the White House to meet Donald Trump. Mm, yeah, yeah, yeah. But this is very cool and normal. This is a Donnie Brasco thing. You go undercover. <laughs> Before you know it, you're doing the same exact crimes as the people you're fighting. (laughs) (laughs) Also, I have to say that at this point, knowing what I know about these two individuals, um, there's no way they don't talk about QAnon together. I'm willing to bet that it's the only thing they talk about. Just like you and me. Yeah. <laughs> he's he's an evangelical. Uh, Burn Spy is a QAnon guy. I mean, these two things go together like peanut butter and jelly, you know? Yeah. 
<laughs> I don't know if you guys eat that over there, yeah. but uh, it's delicious snack. <laughs> Uh, you can actually pro, pro tip. Uh, we, we call it jam. Thank you. Pro tip. I don't know if you guys have these either, but uh, you can God. buy pre-made. Do not. Pre-made don't. peanut butter and jelly sandwiches in a box. They're frozen. They're called Uncrustables. Don't listen. They're so good. They're, They're so fucking good. Oh, God. Fucking damn it. I knew it. Thank you, Lucy. Oh. Do you also um, just warm them up under your thighs a little bit? So <laughs> That's what I do when I get them because they're frozen right out For of the thing. And I, I can't wait to get the, 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 the jellies into my mouth. So I have to like kind of sit on them like I'm a hen. We've been <laughs> Lucy, Lucy, we've been working on this with Jake for so long. You just undid all of the progress. I'm so sorry. Ah, uh, somebody, somebody who likes Uncrustables. Oh my God. <laughs> so yeah, besides weird Uncrustable fetishes, like, like we're saying here, this is, this to me is kind of the hallmark of a lot of QAnon stuff, which is, when you can see all of these things that are happening in plain sight, like the like the Jeffrey Epstein stuff, you know, all mm-hmm. these things that are like real and documented happening in plain sight, yet no one is held accountable for. And, you know, the QAnon conspiracy theorists look at people like Donald Trump, who was friends with Jeffrey Epstein, hung out with him a bunch, and they say, ah, but he's actually working behind the scenes to expose this much <laughs> larger uh, conspiracy. Just incredible. As opposed, <laughs> as opposed to the one that we're looking at right here, like Scott Morrison, uh, considering the founder of this church his mentor, which has in turn been in- implicated by a lot of people as being essentially a cult which also covers up like child sexual abuse within its own structures. Uh, but that's fine. Just ignore that part and think more about the color of people's shoes. That's the what you should really be asking. Uh, yeah. For example, here's here's some of the stuff that we're really focused on here. Oh, so when John Podesta came to Australia, <laughs> oh boy, um, uh, Burn Notice says, uh, ah, Burn Notice, <laughs> Burn Notice, I can't stop. Oh, I love it. Looking at the little picture of him, he says. Podesta conveniently finds himself in Australia on the full moon, which is tonight. His movements are always deliberate. Death has often followed your travels, but no more will you thrive at John Podesta. What? Uh, so this was when like there was Wiccans like Wiccans now. Are they pagans? What are they talking well, this, about? So this is when one of those like uh, <laughs> when one of those super moons was happening. You know the oh. yeah. So super he draws moon his going power on. from the moon. <laughs> yep. This was the uh, this was the tenth tweet in this thread uh vainly john declares trump's illegitimate leadership on a supermoon however we declare the true authority of trump as duly elected by the people of the u.s the entire world declares it sure uh the moon phase does not detract or enhance the authority of our leaders then he quote tweets john podesta who said ran along the yarra river in melbourne australia felt good to breathe the fresh air <laughs> Uh, he pedophile! <laughs> he he quote tweets uh, this this tweet saying, "I took a run along the river and the fresh air was nice." Uh, he quote tweets this and says, "John Podesta has been attempting magic." <laughs> very God very God. obvious connection to me. Yeah, the magic uh, of not getting winded is like a sixty-year-old running on the beach. Maybe. <laughs> yep. Uh, John Podesta has been attempting magic. He has been exposed by many people over many years. Australia's air will not be tainted by your latest silly spell. We counted it. 
Your Templars are obliterated and you are at your end. Oh, get therapy, my dude. <laughs> Go to therapy. Okay, but we well, breathe oxygen is- and we exhale carbon dioxide and so it's killing the trees. So in a way, he is pulling a magic trick, which is global warming. Think about it. It's so obvious when you put it like that. <laughs> yeah. so, um, so I will wrap this up by saying um, the good thing is that Burn Notice, Burn Spy 34, um, he's really setting up this to be a multi-generational affair with his son, uh, who is on Twitter as Jesse James. Uh, with God. the... Fucking damn it, Jesse James. It's just LARP after LARP. His address at Twitter is Jesse underscore Anya underscore M8. Uh, so, for the Australians, they'll recognize that as Anya, mate. So, <laughs> good Anya. Good Anya. Okay. Uh, and uh, so, here's a tweet that sums up the vibe of uh, Jesse James, uh, Burnt Spy's son. Donald Trump's first term summed up. This is not just another four-year election. This is a masterfully coordinated, slow but consistent, pantsing of the deep state. <laughs> a <pantsing>. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. oh fuck! The whole classroom can see the deep state's little dick. <laughs> <laughs> he says that the deep state's pants are now around their ankles. Now. It's time for a spanking. <laughs> the justice phase. What? That's what's so weird about all this spanking. all this shit is like they yep. believe, they honestly believe that these people are dissecting and eating children, you know, like drinking the blood out of their, you know, adrenal glands or whatever. But like when they insult them, they're like, pants around your ankles now. <laughs> like it seems like kind of a, an innocent sort of threat, yeah. uh, you know, compared to yeah. what they accuse these people of doing. Mm. Oh, my God. You are being smacked upon your bottom. <laughs> like a naughty child. <laughs> God damn it, man. Oh, dear. Well, uh, so that's the prime minister's best friend. Wow. That is wonderful. Is there a theory uh, that Morrison is also doing like the deep state uh, 4D chess kind of stuff or... He's not smart enough for that, I don't think. No. Well, like, he he went uh, for that state dinner with Trump a little while ago, probably because he was the only, like one of the only world leaders they could find to show up and say, he's doing a great job and I love him and he's big and strong. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, so, during that, um, there was a, a bit of like, you know, Trump sort of turning to him and say, China, they're terrible, right? And he went, oh, fuck. Um, and had to <laughs> had to say, oh, yeah. glo- globalism's bad. Yes, our our major trade partner. <laughs> uh. I'm sure there are some people who are looking at Morrison and his like like I was saying his his isolationism, his uh, nationalism, his anti globalist stuff, and his diehard support of Trump, and saying, ah, that makes him an ally to the movement. Mm, yeah. Well. Yeah. Everyone's secretly intelligent. Um, I do like that, that Lucy's like, no, he's too dumb for that. Whereas Trump, definitely <laughs> smart enough to be mm, believable as a 40 chess player <laughs> defeating the two states. <laughs> oh, boy. Well, that is just wonderful stuff. Isn't um, it great how the deeper you dig into anything QAnon related, just the stupider you get? <laughs> oh, yeah. But just... I, Absolutely. I suppose it's the time for us as Americans to say, you're welcome. Yeah. You know? <laughs> this is our gift to you. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you, sir. May I have another, sir? (laughs) 
thanks very much to the guys over at QAnon Anonymous for having us on the show. If you want to hear the rest of that episode and that podcast in general, uh, you can find those guys on iTunes, on Spotify, on wherever it is that you get your podcasts by searching for QAnon Anonymous. They're much more popular f- than us. And that's true. That's true. That probably for a good reason. Probably My husband's reason. always talking about it. It's very oh, really? weird. Obsessed Damn. with it. He's very excited yeah. about it. That's a sick bone. Uh, well, you can find those guys on Twitter at QAnon Anonymous. Uh, but hey, while we're talking about um, cults and uh, s- secret worlds, there was another item that came up in the news this week, which was a Dutch family waiting for the end times discovered in a secret room. Now, Ben, are you are you looking at this piece here? I certainly am. Okay, because I'm going to ask you to do um, all of the quotes in your best Dutch accent. Okay. (laughs) Uh, So in Amsterdam, six young adults and their father are receiving medical treatment after Dutch police acting on a tip-off discovered them locked away in a secret room at an isolated farm, officials in the Netherlands said on Tuesday. The six, aged 18 to 25, and their ailing father were found near Ruinerwald, a village in the northern province of Drenthe, Local mayor Roger de Groot said. <laughs> Stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I bet the last couple of years have been great for Roger de Groot. <laughs> Just and lots of little this, quips. Mm. Now this happens. They apparently had no contact with the outside world for nine years. De Groot said a 58-year-old man who was not the father of the children was arrested at the farm. His role was unclear. It's pretty clear to me. What? Cult leader. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly the cult leader. Um, let's see uh, so alright Ben please hit us I just I want I want to apologise in advance uh, what, both for the lo- quality local mayor Roger de Groot no uh, to the lister for my quality okay. the quality of my Dutch accent but also the subject matter that this is happening for go for it <clears throat> as far as I know their mother died before they <laughs> arrived there <laughs> Oh, beautiful. De Groot said. Police found makeshift living quarters where the family was living in hiding. I have never been involved in such an extraordinary situation. A man has been arrested by the police and his role is being investigated. The family, who according to local news reports had been waiting for the end of time, was discovered after one of the siblings escaped and sought help at a nearby bar. Bar owner... Chris Westerbeek alerted authorities <laughs> at the weekend when one of the family members, a 25-year-old man looking scruffy and bewildered with long hair, came into his establishment and said he had not been outside for nine years. Wait, do I have to do it in a different voice because it's yes, a different person? I, well, this guy's ideal- name's Chris, so he's a cool Dutchman. I, oh. ideally, ideally, you're doing bartender voice at this point. Okay, Dutch bartender. <clears throat> The first time I saw him, I sent him away, but a few days later he came back. Last week he came in and ordered a few beers, but we were going to shut. Westerbeek told local media. Last Sunday he ordered five beers and drank them. (laughs) Then I talked to him. He said that he had run away and needed help. Then we called in the police. Uh, I love having like a disheveled end times man come in and say, I've been locked in a room for nine years. Then going, get the fuck and out, out of my like a Get out of here. <laughs> I'm sorry, but we are closing. <laughs> we are going to shoot. Sticklers for the rules, the Dutch. Oh. And he He's came come back, back between the hours. He came back for beer? 
Came back for five beers. Came back for five beers. <laughs> He's had a hard time. <laughs> the bar owner said that the man spoke in a childlike manner. You could see he had no idea where he was or what he was doing. He had long hair, a dirty beard, wore old clothes and looked confused. He said he'd never been to school and hadn't been to the barber for nine years. Later, he said he had a brother and sisters who lived in the farm. He was the oldest and wanted to make an end to the way they were living. (laughs) Drone images of the farm showed a cluster of buildings with a large vegetable garden on one side. The small property appeared to be ringed by a fence and largely obscured by police. The siblings and their father, who was report... Sorry? Largely obscured by... What did I say? Police? Oh, I'm There's a big ahead. line of police blocking the... Uh, largely obscured by a large ring of police. I am uh, reading ahead at the same time with my powerful brain. Uh, it was, of course, largely obscured by trees. Not not just a gigantic uh, pile of police, like World War Z pile of zombies <laughs> <laughs> clamoring up the side of the enclosure. Uh, I watched World War Z again recently, and you know what? I think it got a might have got a bum rap that movie. Hmm. I think Haven't the first half is good and the second half sucks. That's my beliefs. Yeah, that's fair. Also, there's uh, there's a, an extremely powerful message of um, Israel is very correct to lock everybody out. Mm. Mm. There's the whole part where he goes to Israel and he's like, "Why do you think we've been building this wall?" <laughs> Except like, what Ooh. the wall didn't work. Spoilers. Yeah, that too. Uh, the siblings and their father, who was reportedly bedridden after a stroke, were receiving treatment at an undisclosed location, the mayor said. Now you're back to Roger DeGroote voice. No so more serious now, if you can. <clears throat> okay. I understand there are a lot of questions. <laughs> we have many too. The police are investigating all possible scenarios. The siblings had apparently survived on vegetables and animals tended in a secluded garden, RTV Trent reported. So we, were, so we were talking off pod. This doesn't appear to be a Fritzel situation, not, right? This is we're allowed to make fritzling. fun of this because it's not what Fritzel is the situation? adjacent. Why? Why is there no Fritzling? Uh, oh, you you would like some Fritzling, Lucy? I'm just baffled by you. the motivation. If you are okay. not Fritzling, if you're not Fritzling, then what are you doing? What are you I'm, doing? <laughs> I'm I'm guessing that this guy had um, it. Uh, the, uh, 100,000% extrapolation mm-hmm. uh, This guy and his wife Had a handful of children um, His wife died Now we don't know under what circumstances but No, possibly, it could have been fritzled Well, I'm, I'm saying that either um, She died and he went crazy with grief And was then exploited by The, the unrelated man who has been arrested Perhaps this, this dude cult-leaded him Into saying, come and live with your Your many children on my secluded farm um, or the cult leader guy killed the wife because she was asking too many questions. You know how women be doing. Mm. Why are we mm. going to live in the cult? You know, mm. they're always. Why can't saying we live that. outside? Why can't we <laughs> Where stay I in like our, to go our regular sometimes. house? Mm. Now look, I'm not, to- I'm not saying that the point zero 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 one percent of the world that we live in is bad, but <laughs> I think I might enjoy experiencing a small portion of the ninety nine point nine 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 percent that we're not in. And that's just that's right. me. So, you know, being locked in uh, in a very small space for nine years, it can have some devastating consequences on people. And that can include things like um, not having seen the film adaptation of the game Prince of Persia starring Jake Gyllenhaal. <laughs> that is a tragedy. That's... Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> handsome Arabian prince Jake Gyllenhaal. Arabian Jake Gyllenhaal. Oh, boy. It means that you haven't seen the Adam Sandler movie Grown Ups. Or Grown Ups 2. Exactly. How would you even know about a sequel if you've never even seen the first one? Um, you haven't had the pleasure of watching uh, Ryan Reynolds in the Green Lantern movie. With his sidekick played by Taika Waititi. I know. I was watching it again the other day because I was Why? like... Why? How do you get Why to watch all of this again? movie twice? <laughs> and again. I, I feel like I watch, I watch more bad movies repeatedly than I watch good new movies. And I don't know why. There, um, is, in- a, there is a certain like element of like not having to have that part of your brain going, is this good? Do oh, I like absolutely, this? Absolutely. Absolutely. I, um, I remember reading something a while ago where somebody was talking about that. They were saying like... Um, that for some people, like, you know, when you're, when you're looking through, like, Netflix or whatever, and you're looking at all these movies, and you can't pick what to watch, and you eventually just settle on something that you've already seen 15 times, like Die Hard or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were saying, yeah, it's a, as far as just a, like, a comforting thing to do for your brain, is that if you, if you, do, if you already know what's going to happen, uh, and how it's going to end and everything, then your brain doesn't actually have to be super engaged with the thing. And I was like, yep. That's, that's how I watch a lot of movies. Um, I don't know if, though, I, I, my kids have been watching uh, Teen Titans Go. and they were making, seen it. They were making jokes in that about um, how bad the Green Lantern movie was. I was oh, like, wow. was it that bad? I can't remember. And there it was on Netflix, and I went, yeah, go on. And lo and behold, there was uh, Taika Waititi, hmm. who I thought they had essentially just... They had him in cosplay as Moss from the IT crowd. Yeah, basically. Yep. He he looks like identical. <laughs> Absolutely identical. Oh. Um, none of these people are aware of like the how much you can supercharge your brain with a pill by seeing uh, Bradley Cooper do it in the movie Limitless, you know? Mm. They also don't have mm. a Twitter account. They don't have a Twitter account. So really whose life is better? They haven't seen Bridesmaids and they don't know that women can be funny. They don't know that. That's right. They mm. they haven't been around for all those debates that somehow happened again over the last 10 years of whether or not women can be funny. That's right. They haven't seen Lady Ghostbusters. They haven't. Well. <sighs> what's, that, what's that, Theo? Huh? Hmm? Huh? What, you what made about? a noise there. No, it sounded I'm like you didn't sure. like the Lady Ghostbusters movie. It sounded like you saying seen it. women shouldn't be allowed to star oh, in movies. Boy. Or vote. That's oh what I got from that. Wow. <laughs> Do you think they should be able to drive, Theo? <laughs> uh, I do think they should be able to drive, Ben. Okay. Oh, that's, that's very mm. nice that's of you. That's how generous of you. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> My God. They haven't seen Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. Now, you, you skipped know? over Need for Speed. Is that because there was no women drivers in that? <laughs> oh, well, you haven't seen Need for Speed, I assume, because there no, is a woman it. driver in that. She's oh the best God. driver in the movie. Damn, I was going to say, I'm Damn. lucky there's no women drivers in there. Am I right? Yep. <laughs> I, think it's, uh, I think it's Imogen Poot. Imogen Excuse Poot. It's, Imogen. Poots. it's Poots plural, Andrew. Imogen Poots. <laughs> That's the past tense. I think. She sure does. Uh, and what's his name? Aaron Paul from Breaking it Bad. Does starring in the. The adaptation of Need for Speed. I saw that at the cinema for some reason. Why? It was a good time. It was a good way to experience Aaron Paul Need for Speed. Oh wow, what a, what a cast. One of the finest mm. ways to Aaron Paul, Dominic Aaron Cooper, Paul, Need for Speed. Imogen Poots, Ramon Rodriguez, Rami Malek, Michael Keaton. 
Damn. Well, Michael Keaton loves just being in a movie, doesn't he? Just loves being and stuff. Just wants to be Man involved. just loves paying the bills. Hey, sometimes you got to do it. Uh, and of course, they've missed five Fast and the Furious sequels. Hmm. Haven't seen them. They don't even know how The Rock got in there, you know? Hmm. Uh, who got this rock in my sequels? They're saying to themselves. I'm sure they're saying that. I'm sure they know who Dwayne The Rock Johnson is. Uh, when did... Yeah, I guess it was It was definitely No, they, they're still saying... What do you mean? The wrestler? Because it was like... When they, they've been, haven't been in there for nine years. Oh, nine years. All right. Well, they, well, they've been in there for nine years, which I would suspect would mean... They'd be aware of the Scorpion King. They would be aware of, like, Scorpion King and Walking Tall and The Rock's attempt to, to cross over into movies and mainstream fame, but they wouldn't be aware that he is now, like, the most bankable movie star on the planet. And I think that would come as a shock to this Dutch family. <laughs> <laughs> They get out, they're like, oh, is the most bankable movie star in the world still still Tom Cruise? <laughs> and you're like, oh, you're look, he's still shock. up there, but probably Dwayne The Rock Johnson now. They just like, go to their knees like they've just seen the uh, Statue of Liberty on the beach. <laughs> 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 oh, they wouldn't have seen John Carter of Mars. <laughs> no. They wouldn't have seen the uh, they wouldn't have seen the movie also starring The Rock, um, Central Intelligence, starring The Rock and Kevin Hart. Looks great. Uh, well, I got to say, not a good movie, but it did have a an incredibly good tagline on the poster, uh, which was, saving the world takes a little heart and a big Johnson. Wow. <laughs> and that's, that's just... really good, actually. That's just fantastic wordplay right there. I like it. They you wouldn't have seen that. Battleship, the movie based on the game... Battleship. Battleship. Oh, oh my god. Have you seen that movie, Ben? Yes, I have. It is one of the fucking worst things I've ever seen in my life. And not even like a fun, entertaining way. Oh, it's got Rihanna in there doing it, acting. And an original song that she wrote for the movie. Oh my god. <laughs> oh, Pondy Aliens. Doesn't <laughs> 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 even. Makes no sense. Uh, so, that'll probably go like Pond Reptiles or something. Were no. they reptiles? Oh, I can't remember what the aliens look like. No, they they were just had weird little spaceships, very, uh, spaceships, spaceships, uh, spacesuits, very nondescript, uh, very forgettable. I believe it was directed by Peter Berg. Oh, Peter Berg. He's up there. He's a he's the Hitchcock of his time. Uh, loves having a big American flag in his movies, Peter Berg. And you'll love to see it. I do. So on that note. We're going to wrap it up. Uh, thank you very much to the guys from uh, QAnon Anonymous. QAnon Anonymous. On the show. QAnon Anonymous. For having us on their show and appearing in part on ours. So once again, listen to the rest of that episode. Check out QAnon Anonymous in all good places where your podcasts are distributed. And follow them on Twitter at QAnon Anonymous. And if you would like an extra episode from us every week, head over to patreon.com forward slash Vista. Help support the show. Keep it ad free. Not that we're ever going to put ads on it. No, let's, no one wants I feel to like we should say there, there's going to be ads if you don't subscribe. Ooh, that's not bad. Keep it ad free. I've been uh, waiting we, this whole we, time to sell out. So if we can. We won't even be getting money from the people with the ads. We're just going to take ads we're from gonna other places and start ads. putting them into the show. Uh, so, head on over to patreon.com slash Vista. Uh, get yourself an extra episode every week. Or you could buy a bit of merchandise. Buntavista.com slash 
merchandise. If you want to write into the show, send an email to mailbag at buntavista.com. Uh, and if you would like to call in and leave us a message, Australian listeners can call the Bunta Vista hotline on 1-800-317-515. And American listeners can call in and leave a message on 732-876-3446. Oh, that's all of our stuff. Yeet. Woo. Yeet indeed, Lucy. These damn sorry. millennials. These goddamn millennials. That's why you're not. That's why you're not the CEO. That's why you're not the fourth generation CEO of a company. Too busy, Too busy yeeting. yeeting all over everyone. That's right. <laughs> oh my god. Well, that's it, folks. Thanks again. We'll see you next week. Bye bye. 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 bye.